It was a nightmare because I'm being dishonest. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm people that have trusted me are no longer going to be even want to take want to say hi to me. Mm -mm. You know, um, you know, it was it was a nightmare. Welcome back to Own the Future, a podcast made for and by changemakers, where we gain the courage to own our story, the freedom to own our craft, and the power to own the future. My name is Lucas Grobot. I am your host, and this is part two of a two-part episode with Derek Kahn. Let's jump back into the episode where we find out how Derek ends up in prison. How did you, for those who don't know the story, how did you end up in jail? Oh, what okay. Brought you, what landed you in the clinker? Well, after my first two throat slashings. No. Oh, um, Nothing like that. <laughs> um, the music business was, we were extraordinary. There was a lot of money involved. I was um, the high-speed stylist. One year, I clicked in nearly $3 million. And this is just styling per year. So it was extraordinary. Is it, I, that's profit. You took profit, home 83 yes. mil. No, I took him three mil. Oh, three mil. I wish it was, I was like, wow, 83. No, I didn't no, no. realize how lucrative that business not, is. <laughs> nothing like that. No, no, no. Three million. Okay. And that was possibly one of the highest any stylist has been paid. Mm. I don't know. You know, there are a lot of other type of stylists. I don't have no idea. But in the music business and what I was used to. And, um, you know, because and the, the privilege was you obviously worked with the people like Francis Lawrence doing videos mm -hmm. who has done the Hunger Games and all of that. You work with the biggest in the business because they could have afforded it. Right. They, you know, a, a, a video, sometimes a three day shoot would can easily cost two million dollars. Easy. Easy. And, Easy. That, and that's a lot of money for two day shoot, a, 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 a four minute product. Yeah. You know, so. um we got the best. We were always with the best, the best cinematographers, everything. And I got used to that lifestyle. You know, I, was, I wouldn't fly unless they booked me at the Four Seasons or the Lermitage in Beverly Hills. If it wasn't first class, don't even think mm. I would get on a plane. Mm. And actually, because of that, it wasn't because I was snobbish at the time. It was quite simply, it was I worked so hard, I needed that comfort. The only yeah. sleep I would get would be on a comfortable plane. And because of you have literally hundreds of thousands of dollars in clothing being sent and racked to you, I couldn't. You had to go through the best hotels, the concierge services, and all of that. If you lose, lost anything, it would be your yeah, responsibility. Yeah. So I got used to this enormous lifestyle, flying here, going everywhere. You know, friends with the most amazing. My best friend at the time was. Uh, what um Janice Combs, mm. Sean P. Diddy's mother, lovely lady. You know, people like Kadata Jones, Quincy's daughter, all of these, these were my personal friends. And um you tend to live that lifestyle. You tend to, you know, the best restaurants. Uh, uh, I was not by no means born even near close that, but I got used to this yeah. after all these years. It's easy to get used to it. Exactly. And then the nightmare happened, which was Napster and the music sharing business, which has collapsed. The music business is nothing like it was. Mm -hmm. It was uh, financially. All these big stars have to perform now, have to to make money before you had massive amounts and you sold records. You yeah. know, no records are sold now. Mm -mm. You know, so the whole business changed. And I couldn't accept that for over a year. You know, I was like, why I'm not going to do anything under what I was used to, my rates. Um, I had a whole bunch of I changed management teams all the time. I changed um I changed agents, you know, constantly. And ended up with a bunch of creeps, quite frankly, that really didn't have much experience, but I wasn't getting the big jobs. I just wasn't getting anything at the end of um, of my career there. And this was around 2000, 2003. I just come off of the Metropolitan Museum's Ga uh, Met Gala, wow. which you know of, it's a, considered the best yeah. fashion event in the world. So I was so totally honored. They did the, they did the best of um, rock and roll. And I had, Outfits that Salt and Pepper had won. I had what Monica won. Chanel Couture. I had what P Diddy wore. I had a cool Chrome Hearts thing. I did his whole image change too when he became megastar. Yeah. Um. Uh. With um. Uh. And I worked. And I. Uh, who else was on it? Lauren Hill. So mm. I had some uh, for those with my names attached. 
at the Metropolitan Museum. Incredible. And you can imagine when we are putting it in and next to me was, next to my work was Sgt. Pepper Lonely Heart Club Band, The Beatles, Gosh. Janis Joplin on one side, um, uh, Jimi Hendrix really on the, the other. Really the peak of the peak. It, it, could, it was to me up to today probably the most, the best thing that has ever happened to me mm. was being part of that in such a big way. You know, um, walking, you know, in the middle of the night, you're walking around the Met and you're the only person there you know, walking towards it and all the galleries are open and you're just, you know, security's down because obviously they know they're fixing the thing. So it's just an extraordinary moment. It was like the capital, you know, yeah. one of these like, oh my God, is this really happening? <laughs> Let me really enjoy this. And putting it together and um, seeing these extraordinary things like little little things like the Beatles, you know, having the inside into it. The Beatles, when they did their Sergeant Parts, but that was the last thing they did, and which was obviously legendary. Mm. And when they first came to the U.S. in their little suits uh, for the um, for the big show they did, um, Ed, Ed Sullivan was it? Yeah, right. And the museum was in a in an attack the same night. The, the show was opening in two days, and none of the mannequins for the Sergeant Pepper Lonia could fit. They were so heavily into drugs and 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 thin. They're so thin. They could not. Yeah, they, they, they couldn't find a mannequin, mannequin that could fit, fit a skeleton. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, we have all, I have these amazing stories about you know these you know. So only uh, this wild. happens in the back in the back in the museum, putting together with all these fabulous. What did they do? Uh, they, um, they they got something. They did have some because found this a child's mannequin. Some possibly, <laughs> possibly. I think that might have had to be something. They but they did. They got it together in that one night so anyway um so these were the most extraordinary times and you know you you're going i'm tra i remember traveling with at this time too i was very i can walk into any jeweler any of the major shops and walk out with millions of dollars i would walk around new york with about three four million dollars in diamonds in my bag did you have like a was it like a combination lock not handcuff a to your wrist it, you're going to laugh i'm walking today with this old lvm which was a gift from from an um her name was yaya bongo her father was the president of the bongo mm. and she would give me these amazing gifts once she gave me a solid gold rolex with her father picture on top of it and she would bring me this bag i have is her bag one of those lvmh yeah, yeah. right and I would walk away with that bag. That was like, I've always had that bag. And I would walk around with, with it. With millions of Millions jewels of dollars. Dime, jewels, dime. yes. yes. Oh my gosh. You know, and they would allow me. That's just how good I... So I had this access to this amazing jewelry. And, um, and then... Everything dried up. First of all, I had to get rid of my apartment in LA. I had an apartment I never used because I was always in a hotel. Mm. Um, the New Yorker place where I was living, I had to give it up. And I moved into Harlem. Um, I had to download. But at this time, nobody knows what's going on. I'm still living the lifestyle. Yeah. Still out with Janice. Everybody's splurging, going to the Mr. Chow's, all the top restaurants, mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. And still have a staff of like six people, including the two lawyers, the two business managers. It was just a nightmare. And what I re eventually realized, I had signed a deal at the last moment. And they were getting most of my money. So finally, um, after a year of downloading and literally becoming in debt, owing on my credit cards, everything, I finally got a met with Tyra Banks, the model. And she was coming out with this show, America's Next Top Model. Yep. So she asked me to help her out with it. And I did. And I started. You were a, a I was, a I was a judge, the uh, guest judge on the final, the first show. The next year, I couldn't be on it because I was in jail. Oh, <laughs> the, <laughs> spoiler, spoiler. <laughs> so the uh, the the um, I would um, I met with her, and then I would also be in charge of her her wardrobe and being the stylist for the whole show. Mm. So um, it was a wonderful opportunity and I knew it was going to be a success because it was very airhead, bimbo-y, but with a heart. Yes. And it became one of airhead, the Airhead, bimbo, heart, America. That's a hit. That's a hit. <laughs> so it did become one of the biggest shows in the world. It started yeah, branching huge. out. Yeah, well, I made nothing from that. Um, what had happened, my agent at the time had, they made double the amounts that I did. And I'm thinking money is going to come in. So I went to some of the jewelers that I had befriended and borrowed some of the jewelry and lied and told them it was going for 
artist. And instead of that, I went and I pawned the jewelry thinking I'd be able to take it out of pawn. Mm. Um, obviously, when you're pawning something, you have to give your identifications, etc. So they knew exactly if when eventually they knew how to trace it. So um, I gave um, I did this and then. When the money didn't come in, I had to go to another jeweler, get a bigger piece of jewelry, dug myself into a multi-million dollar hole with no way of getting out. Oh, my goodness. So the... Um, How did that feel as that was happening? Horrible. Was it just like it every day waking every up with day, panic? Every, exactly. Every morning waking up with panic. That's exactly what it oh was. My gosh. And this went on for months. It was a nightmare. And at the same time, I'm doing this big television like show. Like three months, six months, nine months? It it started six, seven months, but eventually came on to the dead. Like the last three months was hell. Because you're having, you have millions of dollars pawned that pawned. you need to redeem. To, to obviously continue. No way was that going to and happen. You're pawning, you're pawning so you can pay your bills. Exactly. In your extravagant life. Exactly. Gosh. So, you know, the extravagant life quite actually was pushed aside after this, you know, because it was just too much mm. to handle, you know, and my whole mindset was on this nightmare, trying to get out of it. Eventually, it was nearly impossible to do at the time. So I, the last set of money I had, I went to a lawyer and I was lucky enough to get somebody who knew me before. So it was a very inexpensive rate and I had to give myself in. It was a scheme to defraud. So you turned uh, yourself in. I turned myself in, and um, eventually was they, that a relief when you when you went to the lawyer? It was an you sat absolute down. relief. I remember it because up to today, I mean, it's fifteen years after twelve, and I remember it as it was yesterday. It was a nightmare because I'm being dishonest. I'm, be, you know, I'm, I'm people that have trusted me are no longer going to be even want to take want to say hi to me mm -mm. you know um you know it was it was a nightmare it was something i it you know but then don't forget before i did this credit card drama yeah so it was like a second crime so you have a record a record of it so and then it became as a felony which was you know the worst kind even without that it would still probably be a felony because of the millions involved yes but the good thing is is that it because I didn't sell the items. Mm. You see, there was one piece I sold, which was the final piece from William Goldberg. And the reason that that was sold was because I had, um, I had, it was at the end of it. And I had, or had some of my assistants going to pick up cash or, or actually send the jewel in to be pawned. And they had no idea. They completely trusted me. So they had absolutely no idea that this was the, what they were doing was not right. Mm. You see, the way it was planned and the way I didn't want them involved whatsoever. Right. So I never let them know exactly what was happening. So because some of their names were on the tickets, I no way could I have mm. done that and not. So the last type of money I needed was uh, uh, some, and I took this one diamond and sold it. And there's a follow-up story to that you will never believe from the New York Times 10 years after. What happened? To that diamond. That stone was um, sold to this, um, To I went to these old uh, jewel, Jewish jewelers and he gave me, I can't remember how much it was. I can't remember, I think probably about four. The, the stone itself was $240,000. The amount I got was like about thirty dollars or $40,000. The, the money again was used to take put those jewels that were already pawned, take it out of my friend's name and put my name on it. Mm. So there was nobody that's going to be charged for the crime other than me. But you. But me, which I had to. I mean, there's no... Because you had millions pawned, but that 30 or 40K was would be enough to... To take out the two, three tickets that were under my friend's name. And put it into your name. Exactly. So I had to do that. Because you was couldn't fully question. redeem those ones. It would without, just be... Uh, no, because as I knew I was going to give myself in. And if I did give myself in they would have been in jail with me. Yeah, yeah. And they had no clue they were, you know, they always did what I wanted. Mm. So it was, that was not going to happen. So um, I sold it last minute, the day or so before. And um, this stone appeared 10 years after the guy died and his wife, I think it was on a pendant, if I remember, um, saw the beautiful stone and went to get it appraised, didn't know what it was. And when 
it was, you know, the stones are, mm-hmm. uh, you have a follow-up on it, proper gems. Yeah, there's like a laser A, a laser thing, etching. so you know who it came from, etc. And when they checked it, it um, it was there. So Harry Winston put them in court, put this man, um, they kept the stone. Uh-huh. And this man's wife then decided to uh, sue them. Why are you holding this? I didn't know where it came from or all of that. Right. The Her lawyers called me because the Goldbergs were saying, um, that I was never a, a top stylist. So I can't remember what legal terms they were using. Mm. So they wanted a statement exactly what happened. And I told them the truth. I sent a statement to the courts. And this is the New York Times calling me about this. And um, they won the case. Wow. So I remember the reporters. So asked they got you, the diamond back. They got the, no, not not Goldberg. Okay, not Goldberg. The the people who who bought the who initial bought them. yes they won the case she got that stone back Goldberg lost the whole thing because what they had portrayed the event because then I found out that I could have um, there were ways legally of me getting out of it without having to serve jail but you know something I was guilty as hell mm. I was not avoiding it I need. It happened and it happened. Hmm. It's just that it's, imagine 10 years after this just to come out of nowhere, you know? So wild. Find, yeah, it was unreal. So they never, so, so when you went to jail the first time. Yes. Well, not the first time. When when mm. you turned yourself in. Yes, I was immediately arrested because But they lawyer, didn't, they didn't track down that stone or ask you no, who'd you sell it to? They were concerned with every other, they were concerned with everything. Where was the other pieces? Gotcha. And I had all the pawn tickets and all of that. So they took that that uh, was given and then the jewelers went and got their pieces back. Mm. So literally everybody got what they, other than Goldberg with this last piece. Mm. Uh, Which again, I had no idea what had happened to it. I remember selling it to pay off that. Mm. And my intentions again, which which were not realistic was, okay, I was going to come out and hopefully I would be big, still get something to do a television. I'd actually were in discussions with, um, with, with, um, Fox, I think it was, to do a reality show of me coming out of jail. But guess what? The day I was supposed to come out, I was sent to a federal prison where I was deported. I was not an American (laughs) citizen, although I lived in New York for 30 years. Over 30 years living there. I never took my citizenship out. And uh, So you never got your green card? No, I got my green card. I was legal, but not a citizen. Ah. And with a felony, you were deported. Yep. And yep. they never, it, I never knew I was because I was not approached while I was there. I stayed there for about a year and a half. And um, coming out, I'm thinking I'm going home. Yeah, right. Bam, to a federal prison to be so deported. So you went to jail for a year and a half, yes. prison for a year and a half, and then federal. Federal for about for, a couple of weeks. And, and then, then they shipped you back. Put me in, in some dirty looking outfit with not a penny in my pocket and dropped me to Trinidad. Literally got on the flight with me, dropped me off, and that was it. Wow. So you can imagine a nightmare that was. But again, you see, the thing is, when you're guilty, and I was guilty, you can't really sit and think about, oh, woe is me. It's like, get up and get your act together. Exactly. You know, so I just had to do what I had to do. So... Um, so this happened and I gave my, of course, the next thing I'm front page of the entire style section, the Sunday style section of the New York Times was the initial article, which was was really good. You had all the music people, all the top people taking up for me and saying I was the best of the best. Mm. And you had some of the jewelers saying I was the biggest scumbag on the planet, of course. And it ended amazingly with Carol Brody from Harry Winston's, which was the biggest ones I defrauded. Um, Harry Winston's, um, Carol Brody said, Derek is going to be back out bigger and better. Wow. Unbelievable. After I just finished. Yeah, after you defrauded them. (laughs) So, you know, I was in shock at the, but it was a great article. But the funny thing is that I had just given myself in. So it was my first weekend in jail. So I was grabbed out of the bunch and brought into the private, uh, one of the the superintendent's Mm -hmm. offices and all of that. And there there was this big front page article. You know, and they were, so then they had to separate me from the public because of that. And it was crazy because sometimes when I was watching TV in the rec rooms, Mm -hmm. um, after you leave the, 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 the initial jail surroundings, you're sent upstate, closer to Canada, all these poor states that, um, prisons yeah, oh. And, you know, so it's a lot of these were mental institutions they converted into jails. So they were quite spacious. Lovely. 
they were spacious. Yeah. And, you know, you were, some of them were cooking facilities. So we were able to cook and, you know, it was, you have to make the best out of every mm-hmm. situation. So I had no choice. I had to do what I did. And um, then in in there, um, I, you, I was sitting watching, I remember in the rec, the common rec room watching television and bam, who's on television? America's Next Top, me on TV. <laughs> of course, and you see all, everybody's just looking around, <laughs> get all the faces turned and it's like, what the, you know? <laughs> so, you know, you had experiences there that are just unreal, you know? You, what you see and see in television, a lot of it is so true. Wow. You know, it's, it could be a nightmare. You just have to put... Don't forget, I'd lived basically in New York and not um, not in a penthouse. I'd lived basically not on the streets, mm-hmm. but you're talking about I lived in Queens sometimes. I lived in, you know, poor neighborhoods in New yeah. York. So you, you build a shield around yeah, you, yeah. you know, bullshit from not, you know. Yeah. And, and um, you get to, you have to adapt your life to suit. Mm. So next thing, I'm out. Deported, which was even worse because the only person I had in Trinidad was a very old uncle mm. who, bless him, is still alive. And um, he was so good to me. You know, he took me right, he met me at the airport. And then the next day I met who has today is one of my best friends, this wonderful woman. Her name is Cheryl Lala. She, her best friend became the president of Trinidad. Wow. And she's now working with her. At the so the next of, day. The next day, she's driving a car and recognized me because I was on VH1. And then she had also gone to school with me as a child. Wow. And, and you just walked around the streets homeless. I was much. literally walking from the supermarket to my uncle's house. And, and she sees you, she pulls stops, a start pull, car over. And then from says, then on. Derek, what are you doing here? What, how the hell are you? She remembered. I remembered her too. It was good. Because wow. after 40 years, you yeah. probably remember anyone, please. So it's quite a minute. Yeah. So we became up to today, we're best of friends. You it's know, amazing. she literally when Dubai came calling, um, she helped me financially with it. Okay. But in Trinidad, I worked for I did one or two nice products for the projects for the Tobago government. The Trinidad and Tobago, it's the same island. Small Tobago's a tiny island next to it, but tourists, more touristy. And I did some um development videos for them, governmental development. And Trinidad's economy at that time was pretty stable because it's mm. oil and gas. And I did some projects, so I was able to get a lovely apartment in the city and, you know, get myself used. But still, it was too small for me. I, you know, How I needed was the population of the island? 1.2 million. Okay. You know, so it's pretty small. Uh, but it's lovely and you know, quite sophisticated because, again, it is so close to the state, so it's yeah. very Americanized. Yeah. Um, and um, then the um, uh, then I come here and a fr- an editor... What was the, 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 the invite that got you here? Um, this friend of mine who was writing for Elle magazine at the time wanted mm. to do a book on my life. So she said, come to Dubai. Uh, because she was going to do a project and I came. Mm. This is after staying in Trinidad for about a year and a half. Okay. Excuse me, about two years. Came. Came for three months and now it's going on 13 years. <laughs> so, wow. Three months to 13 years. To 13 years. Did and the book ever get written? No, we never did. Because, you know, writing a book, it, you have to have your... It takes a lot. It, not only that, it's your way of life and your way of speaking and everything else. Because I can't write and she was going to be the mm-hmm. ghostwriter. But guess what? It's back on the table now because Amazing. of some projects that I'm going to work on now. So... This 13 years were extraordinary. I got, you wouldn't believe this, people from that I had defrauded before had called around 2007. And next thing you know, I was a high-end jewelry designer. No. Do you believe this? <laughs> it's like a bank robber coming out of jail and becoming president of the bank. <laughs> the New York Times got hold of it again. And front page this I time, it. the Thursday style yep. section, the entire front thing, me grinning with the birds in the background. And the story was... Jewel Thief's Audacious Comeback. Amazing. It was a slaughter story, not like the first story. Um, it was mostly true, but of course, it's the way you write something. So mm-hmm. I'm like petrified. Oh, my God, I'm going to de- be deported from a second country. Oh, my goodness. Now. The next day, I had William Morris Agency in Dubai, disc- um, and I signed with them for book movie television. About to sign, set a series on my lifestyle here in Dubai in 2008. What happens? The financial collapse. Mm. We lost the funding for the line, the jewelry line, and for the television. 
So then I started, um, I started becoming involved with other, um, with other jewelers. And you would laugh at this, but they all knew my, I'm very open with what I've done and um, they knew what I was doing. So right now, I, I'm not going to say the names. I have confidentiality mm. contracts, but you can imagine some of the biggest jewelers on the planet. I work with them now. Wow. I bring in some of their biggest clients. I do certain events with them, things like that. And, and um, it's almost like you made the mistake once. There's a little bit, almost there could be more trust that he's not going to do that again. Uh, it had to be because this is what, you know, and of course, I know we in hell. I'm possibly the most honest person you have on this phone. I have no way I'm getting near anything in trouble. You oh, know, yeah. it's, it's no, no, no. It's no, it, it happened. It was the worst thing that happened to me, and I'm never going to repeat that. So, what was some, what is maybe the biggest project that you've done here in Dubai that um, you're most proud of? Proud I would of. say, um, I, when I first came here, I brought, I was helpful in bringing Prince Albert here with Nadia Zahler of Monaco. of Monaco here for a big function in uh, Nuraya Island, which was run by Nadia Zal, who I met at the time. And she is a very big name here and um, lovely lady. And um, I brought, I helped bring him with another woman, Baroness Angela Van Berger and, um, I facilitated the mm -hmm. meetings and everything, and he came because of what I had done. So, and in there, there was Prince had attended, and they had Richard Branson, etc. It was years ago, probably about ten years ago. Then, uh, a couple of years after that, I brought the Ballet Russe from Moscow, mm. facilitated their big performance at Emirates Palace. Wow! And it was extraordinary. Um, I had people like my new friend, my friends there, uh, Inji Shaloub from the Shaloub Group, who came in couture Chanel and had to sit on the steps because some big royals came unexpectedly and we had to give up some of the top seats. No. Yes. It was incredible. But I brought them and I thought that went very well um, with Sheikh Nayan Al-Nayan. And then, um, um, believe it or not, then there's a very slow period where I was putting people together. I also, it did, the, the actual meeting did not happen, but I facilitated the introduction of the Sultan of, of Oman to Bill Gates. Wow. And that was a big deal because Bill's representative is a friend of mine here and I was helping them meet other people for his um, his, his uh, foundation. That, Have you met Bill personally? Uh, no, I never did. I never did. I wish I could. Mm. I was always, at every time I knew he was going to be here, I tried to get it, but mm. I couldn't. It was anyway. So that was amazing because I knew somebody in the palace and I knew Bill's people. So I put that together and it was a yes first. They were going to do it. But at the last minute, the Sultan got sick. Mm. So the meeting was canceled. I, you know, I was pissed, but yeah. that was that was a very big. I didn't know the Sultan either. I just knew someone in the palace, yeah. as I said. So things like that happen to me all the time here. But um, now it's a big difference. Uh, I um, I just helped. I brought in the Alpha Ten Group, which is a big financial group. A big, huge company in Dubai, um, and I brought them together with again the Baroness mm -hmm. for her big project with Prince Albert here which was under the um uh, uh, was coordinated with the ruler's wife here princess haya mm. and prince albert so it that was an extraordinary event about a month or two ago amazing and this year i'm doing um i'm doing a i'm going to do a big project for a film festival in paris that has never left Paris and it's coming here. What's the name of the festival? Uh, you're going to laugh. It's my festival and I could never get it right. <laughs> Please let me skip that question. <laughs> LLG something. It's uh, I, I'm so embarrassed. But anyway, I'm bringing this festival here at the end of next, uh, at actually exactly a year from, okay. from February, sometime around that, um, um, which I'm looking forward to. So there's a lot of going on there. Um, but what's most exciting to me, a couple about nearly, actually nearly a year already, um, I was approached by uh, this wonderful person from Sony Music, um, Samantha Lecker. Uh, she's a senior VP there and um, she also directs and is doing um, documentaries. And right now, as you had said, fashion has changed so rapidly. You know, it you has. have Rihanna heading a whole brand under LVMH that has never been done. You know, the there's a black guy who is, of course, the um, editor-in-chief of Vogue mm. London. Mm. There is a head of um, men's fashion at LVMH. 
is a black kid, you know. So this would never happen back in the day. No you way. Know? And the influence, you know, Kanye West and all of them oh, are super high fashion. They don't look at this as just recently. I saw a picture of Jay-Z and Beyonce, of course, with Diddy. And Diddy was one of my first. And, you know, these are... They are valued over a couple hundred million dollars yeah. each now, and they show it. You know, they are styled out in the best fashions, very understated, but glamorous and mm -hmm. expensively done. So they are saying that I was actually the first person ever wow. to introduce hokuture and high-end fashion and high jewelry to hip-hop mm. with Salt and Pepper in 2000, 2001, something in around that, you know, when I did them for, as I had said earlier, yeah. Frank Sinatra and, and Chanel and blah, blah, blah. So um, they want to do a documentary on that, on me, on that. It's incredible. So I am absolutely elated. It when will, will be, that? Well, we are now going to start. We're starting it in August, quite a few Great. months from now, but uh, they're just finishing up their project and then I'm um, next on the list for it. So uh, that to me is essential and something I want to do. And this is where the book now will come in. Mm. You know, I didn't, I had no idea what my future would be or how it would be. And in a million years would said I'd be working with some of the biggest jewelers in the world. That's, <laughs> that in itself is crazy. Yeah. But, you know, this is what life gives to you, you know. And you like, never give up. Yeah. You, and you started in the beginning saying how it was uh, that lady in Dubai or from Dubai yes. in Trinidad. Yes. How it yeah. just came full circle Look at for that. you. Exactly. And now we're best of friends. I spend all, most of my Christmases. I like Paris for Christmas or London. But um, when I'm in New York, in Dubai, and I've been here for the last quite few years, Christmas, mm. I am, uh, that's where I have uh, my Christmas meal. You know, Horia and I are best of friends now. And it's amazing. Her whole family, she's married. Her, her cousins are married to some of the top families here. Her father is a legendary mm. doctor who's been honored by the ruler. And she is legendary. So she's possibly the best breast cancer specialist in the region. And she went to school in Trinidad. She sounds like me. She, you know, <laughs> and her mother and her, as I said, with her mother and her father. Her father is the most wonderful man, mm. you know. So, and it's funny, in New York, I did not have very many Trinidadian friends. Although New York has a big a lot of friends in Brooklyn or so. I was mostly in Manhattan, yeah. but I just never had any Trinidadian friends other than some neighbors. But, um, and I come to Dubai and suddenly I have so many Trini friends. Really? And I, yeah, I met the new prime minister of Trinidad through my, one of my best friends who was in charge of his campaign. campaign. And I haven't been back to Trinidad in 13 years. 13. Yes. So now I'm going Since back. Since you left. Exactly. Now I know the president and the prime minister. So don't you think it's about time? It's about time. <laughs> exactly. So I'm going to actually, I'm going to have, it's a great place and I'm going to look for, but I want to take my friends from here. They're all dying to come. You I know? bet. So that's, you know, as I said, life is something you can't give up on. You know, you have to keep going. I mean, there's so many times that I still even here had found myself, oh my God, what am I going to eat tomorrow? Mm. You know, what? What, how am I going to pay rent? How am I going to do this? And it happens. I am probably the luckiest person sitting down here. Mm. I have, I've been so l incredibly lucky. And not only for these little instances, but meeting the most wonderful people, you know, yeah. my small inner circle. And, you know, I have everybody. I have from the wealthiest people, the heads of government here, some of my closest friends. And I have People who cook for a living. Mm -hmm. People, when I say not chefs, I'm talking about, you know, people clean. I, I love these people. And, mm. you know, I'm always with them, asking about them and all of that. And that is one thing I think that I like about myself. You know, are there a million things I don't, but <laughs> one or two things that I do. <laughs> At least you're honest. Most people are so bl blinded. Oh, God. No, no. They're I'm like, a, oh, I'm just a good person. Uh, no, no, no. It's no, like, no. really? I, mean, I wish I was. <laughs> I, come on. No, no, no. I'm selfish. I'm, oh, I'm vain. Oh, my God. I'm horrible. But yeah. I tend to give people a chance, mm. you know. And you get, you know, in everything else, you get lots of jealousy and, you know, lies on you and all that. But you know something if they're not giving you a spoon to f eat with or providing the food on your plate or a check to to live on mm -hmm. i don't give it <laughs> quite yeah. frankly you know it's, say what you want what would you in closing what would what advice would you give uh to whether it's someone coming up in the fashion industry or jewelry or music how 
what should they do on those as they're coming up through, just as you were coming up through those those ranks and maybe you didn't recognize mm. the people that you're mixing with? Yes. Well, first of all, it's an entirely different world mm. from the last 10 years. Now, influencers are the biggest things. You have the people like Kardashians, all of them. You have, it's just changed everything. Back in my day, it was a magazine, mm. was a radio, television. You see who the big stars, and these were real stars. You know, these are legendary. Now, it's so much up in the air. Yet, look at the music. You know, you have people like Cardi, D, Cardi B. Yeah. You know, who is extraordinary. Just won the first female to win a Grammy for male hip-hop art, uh, for hip-hop album, mm -hmm. you know, never been done, you know. So you have the true talents again, you know, you have, um, you name them, there's so many. What my advice would be is stay true to your inner feelings, you know, mm -hmm. you you know you want to do this, you're a designer, you want to design. Don't listen to anybody who has no idea about what you're doing. And especially because a lot, a lot of people I find that are, people are, I find a lot of people love to give advice and to show their support. But if you get above their bracket, or if you become a little more successful than they have, mm. it's a nightmare situation. So be prepared for that. Mm. A lot of individuals are like that. Coming up, I've seen that so many times. Stay true to yourself. And if you know you are singing, you have true talent, you know that you have good and you believe in yourself, stick to it. How did you differentiate? I'm sure there's many times in your career where you're coming up, you're staying true to yourself, you're you're a stylist and you you're probably doing stuff that's very avant-garde, stuff that's very breaking the boxes mm -hmm. and had people say, "Oh, that's not good" or "Oh, don't do that." Giving that that negative advice out of jealousy, how were you able to determine whether or not that advice was meant something meant something like because you're saying if mm, you mm, if you actually mm. have talent well, how do you actually how does one actually you know, know? It. you know it it's in you i've been you know i've done things with pink i mean uh, come on you've seen you've seen american idol and those people exactly, who've seen, exactly. but and you, how do you like how can you differentiate okay this is an area that mm. I need to take this advice constructively and grow in, or no, this is something that I'm well, actually becoming a trendsetter. It's again the person who is telling you this. Mm. Now, if it comes from a panel like American Idol with Simon Cowell, whoever right. else is on board, you take that you take that seriously mm -hmm. because they have nothing to gain from you. Yeah, you see, they you are they advising you. This is their job, so they have nothing negative to gain from you. So take the advice. There may be things, but when it's coming from other people in the industry, mm. like you're going to you're going to audition for something, and you truly believe your version of this song was incredible, yeah, stick with it. But you have to be careful politically. You may not be able to tell them go to hell right now because that one person you're telling go to hell, you may have to come back too. Yeah, you see, so you have to be very careful. And another thing is don't don't get too don't get it get it straight to your head all the time. You right. may be very good, but do not act like you're the best. Because it, it could t it could tend to arrogance of, of like, course, well, it I'm just people doesn't people I'm don't just like being that. true to myself and understand and that pretentious. You, exactly, and not that you understand you have to live and you have to get a check. So if the person who's paying me tells me something that okay, I don't like how this looks or mm. something, I may think it may be brilliant. But guess what? You're paying me. I'm going to do what you said. Yeah. You have to understand it's a practical form of living too. Mm -hmm. You know, you stay true to your art, but at the same time, if you want to stay broke and stay true to your art, you can. Mm. If you want to survive in it, in the surroundings where there's multiple competition, you should get a good, you should have a good, a good facade, mm. you know, understand who to be negative to, understand who not to be negative to, yeah. and always be humble. To me, you're humble. I love dealing with humble people. You know, they may, some of them may turn out not to be humble, but initially right. you want to like someone. And if you come out negatively at first, it throws everything off. Mm. And listen to people who have been in the business, you know, as a fashion designers. I just saw this lovely young lady just quit her job and decided she wants to do fashion. Quite frankly, her dresses were awful, you know. And I can't just tell you it's awful after I know what you have done, you know. I tend what to, did you say to her? Um, I basically said, um, 
I think you, you should get some extra training because some of this needs a better workmanship. I didn't tell her how ideas sucked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just, you know, try to put it in a more technical sense. Yeah. You know. Did so she, she receive would, it? Um, she probably did. I don't because there was no follow up. Right. I just met her for a short period of time. But you have to be careful in how mm-hmm. you advise people. You know, of course, if I know you for a long time, then and listen to your true friends, people who yeah. you, 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 people who you know have you yeah. behind, you know, have you first in their hearts. I like that answer. It's understanding the context of where that advice is coming from. Exactly. Is it that coming is, from someone who's now pissed that you are better than them? Right. And it's someone just. Or a competitor who just sees you and, you know, wants yeah. to comment. Someone being critical or skeptical exactly. for the sake of being critical. Yes. Or is it coming from a friend or someone who you can tell is actually trying to help you help you with the truth? Because oftentimes exactly. the truth hurts. Exactly. And especially in something as music is different. You can tell somebody with talent. Right. But with uh, with with fashion, you know, the concept of having to think of what's next, not what what's happened, is very difficult. Because it's so you subjective. Know, it's, exactly. Exactly. With music, you're like you have zero intonation. You can't <laughs> Don't keep even a beat. think about it. Exactly. Fashion, it's different. Yeah. You know, look when Alexander McQueen first came out, and he had his jeans cut with half of your ass showing. You know, everybody was, who the hell is going to wear that? Guess what? Everybody started wearing it. You know, you can never tell yeah. on what trends are. And uh, so it's quite difficult. Mm. You know, I basically, I think my strong point was my, me being, having access to all these amazing true designers yeah. and being and able to select an it- which item I think would work for my artist at that, at whatever occasion it was. And you, I've, stuff I've read and conversation that we've had today, you talk a lot about access and your career is really built on even here in Dubai, mm. you've been talking about how you've, you brought this person in or you connected this person in and it, it's really built around access and having those relationships where you're able to connect to people or connect to ideas or connect a, a piece of jewelry with a person. Yes. How, how do you, in today's age, how would you say to someone coming up, this is what you need to do for the next day, year, 10 years to build that access to be able to trade on that later? I think it's a lifelong thing. You have to judge, you have to actually within yourself, you meet someone and you judge what they're doing. Mm. You know, you never say no to people uh, because at the same time, this one person 10 years from now become, may become the biggest thing on the planet. It's like you washing your jeans Exactly, exactly. Stupidity, you know. You never, you, you tend to judge a person and you tend to let them get to know you in in certain ways but um but at the same time at the same time give people a chance mm-hmm. you know and develop these relationships it never happens my relationships now with my jewelers and the high end clients this if they had just met me when i got off the got off the boat <laughs> you know got off the plane in <laughs> dubai it never would. These things yeah. have developed over all these years. Literally you know, decades. Decades. It's it not just the 10 years that you've been here. You're trading off of the two, three decades before. before. Exactly. Exactly. And the funny thing is now all these people who disappeared when my scandal was on mm-hmm. are all back in my life now. You know, most of them, you know, in a very big way. And, you know, I have to forgive them because I, I, I fully understand. I, I screwed up. You know, if you wanted to be away from me at that time, of course. And it's interesting, at least from the, the portion of the story that you shared, it didn't seem like you burned your bridges when you went down. You made sure to, to burn as little bridges as possible. I'm going to try to preserve these relationships. I know I'm going down. I'm not going to take people down with you. And in some ways that has served you today because all those people are back in your life. Which is so true. The same people that I have, that I thank God because of my madness, um, I did not get them involved. You know, they are thriving fabulously. One is opening a new restaurant. I'm so proud of them. Mm. And this would not have happened if I had dragged them in in with my, my, my nightmare, you know. Own up for what you've done. You know, mm. there's no harm in it. It's done. It will come out somehow, especially today the in the age. truth always comes out. Exactly, exactly. Always so, comes out. Exactly. So you have to, you, you know, you have to go after your beliefs and 
create and maintain these relationships. Mm. You know, a lot of people, again, I have, when I, I was lucky here, when I came, I didn't realize some of the people I was introduced to were that big. Mm. Their families were such a huge deal here. But again, I treated them normally. They had heard about me and I had done a lot of press when I first came here. And Dubai, they never mentioned the negativity. Mm. So I was mm. on the cover of all their magazines and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, there was a lot of press. And um, some of these people had no idea of what happened or why I was here. And I was quite truthful to them. And this is what maintained relationships up to today. Yeah. And these are extremely powerful, very, very influential people. And another thing, don't overuse people. Mm. I've never come to most of these people with anything, you know, with anything other than inviting them or we're going out to dinners or to private events or whatever. But I don't call and say, okay, oh, my friend just came with me. They have this diamond to sell. Let's do it. It took a while for me to develop that rage where I right. could, I know that what you're looking for or whatever. And I, um, and now I'm utilizing my friendship mm. and again, utilize it with care, you know. You have to be very delicate with people who are already accomplished because everybody else wants to get to them. Right. So be careful of who you are introducing your people to mm. and get to know somebody first before you really bring them into your circle. A couple of thoughts I had. One was the the story of uh, Chelsea yeah. and how she was like, you know, when I'm eating my at at dinner, don't interrupt me, but I have time for you later. Exactly. And that, that idea of... Um, saying yes to people it doesn't mean that you let anyone over in your life you have no. your boundaries say here's my circle here's my relationships no. but i'm going to say yes to you later i'm going to give you time i'm going to give you a chance and i'm going to nurture these relationships but in a healthy absolutely. way other thing i thought of was um you're talking about how your relationships trade on trust yes right someone gets hears of your reputation they come you sit down and you're transparent with your story and that trust right there, you're able to trade on. Yes. The third thing I heard was you're not going to people to ask for something from them to these successful. Exactly. Um, I'm not. You're going to them and say, actually, I have something for you, which is very different when I think people who don't maybe have a healthy or full understanding of networks and relationships, they think, okay, build my network so that I can pull on my network rather than the way you framed it, which is I build my relationship in my network so that I can find where are connections that are going to benefit people in my network. Absolutely. So you bring in a diamond correct. to someone that is, you're not bringing a diamond because you need money because you say, Oh, she is really going to love this diamond. I exactly. know her. I know her, her style. I know what she's, I know what she likes, who she's like. Exactly. And sometimes they come to you asking for it because right. they know you're involved in it. So they will say, I'm looking for a set. I'm looking for something. And this happens to me all the time yeah. here with the highest circles. Yeah. You know, and that's how you, you know, in fact, only now I consider myself a bit of a success. Only now after all these years mm. is because I'm relying on these relationships that I've built for years. Mm. And when I say relying on it, they are more enthused in working with me now than I would have ever been if I had approached them at another time. Yeah. You know, so it takes time to develop. Yeah. It's not something you run into it and rush into it. Mm. And you're adding, you're adding value, you're giving more to them than you're possibly taking. Absolutely. And Absolutely. I think that's the huge kind of mind shift, mindset shift. And that's how you should be with all relationships. All relationships. Yeah. With, you know, friends and everything. You know, I have people who love my family. I don't really have family. So, you know, I have my sister, my, but, you know, everybody's miles apart. I don't get mm. to see. Them. So people that I'm close to here. And as I said, from every aspect, even... Carol Brody, that same woman from Harry Winston's, and I was so I'm proud of that. The one fact she had also mentioned in one of the articles that you know Derek has friends from everywhere, from you know from the lowest level mm. to the highest society, and she pointed that out to me in that article, yeah. and I'm proud of that. Yeah, you know that I think that's how I want to be. Yes, you know I have. It doesn't matter you. You're very fortunate, you know, you're born into the biggest families, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, fine. That's great for you. 
But then I like to see people who have really got up and from their butts and really work their hearts off. Mm. You know, they're just as beautiful. Yeah. You know? But that's what life is and that's what life gives you. And especially in times today where, you know, you have such political madness going on all around, you know? So, so mad. So crazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But you're right. It's that humility and humanity that you talked about in the beginning. And I think that is walking into those relationships with humility. Exactly. Saying, what, how can I serve the needs of others? Whether it's the person that's serving me food, that's mm-hmm. cooking me food, that's cleaning my house, or the person that I'm trying to serve as they're my clients. It's exactly. how am I serving their needs? Exactly. What can I give them? Exactly. And the simplest things make it a thank you, you know, a smile. Yeah. Makes a huge difference <laughs> to people here, you know. It's, it's, and you need to do it more, you know. Yeah. Derek, thank you so much for your stories, for your life, for opening your your story to us today. And it's my absolute pleasure. I think you got some. We got to some pretty deep, deep kind of <laughs> exactly. heart art things. Yes, we sure did. And I really, I really enjoyed that. That was a surprise. Well, you know me, I always like to talk. So anytime, yes. <laughs> I was like, you know what, this is going to be an easy interview. Derek is just full of stories. And it's just one after another. Definitely. And I'll definitely come back and you have to come. I didn't even know you were such a good interviewer too. Oh, thank you. You completely impressed me. So you have to help me out with my projects coming out. I would love to. I would love to. Definitely. Derek, where can people find you online or anywhere? I think the best, okay, you can can find me um, either on Facebook, Mm. uh, Derek Hunt, connect me and I'll connect. Of course, I don't give my direct number off. Yes. um, But you can connect on me on Facebook or on Instagram. Great. And it's Derek F. Khan. It's very easy. Perfect. Both Derek Khan or Derek Khan. I'll put all that in the show notes. Okay, fantastic. Derek, thank you for being on the show. Oh, it was my, indeed my pleasure. I had such a good time. And how do we, how do people find more about the film festival? Where can they go for that? We will be doing a lot of press. Okay. So it's going to be all on my sites and we're going to have a lot of bloggers involved. So you would, you would okay. be hearing a lot about and it. And that's in Abu Dhabi? Months. In Abu Dhabi. You know where it is yet? No. We're still Inshallah. under negotiations with every, with everyone. Well, hopefully so it's, it's at new. the most, uh, most iconic place well, in of, Abu Dhabi. Well, you know, I am the kind of person I only want the best. Of course. <laughs> so trust me, I'm of going course. for the best. I would expect <laughs> so, nothing less. So we are hoping we get what we want. Again, I, I don't want to, it. I don't want to break any yes, news. It's yes, not, yes. Not, nothing's been solidified. Yet. Yes. Well, great. Thank okay. you so much, Derek. My pleasure. Thanks again. Huh? Yes. All right. Great talking to you. Perfect. Thank you for listening to this episode of Own the Future where I sat down with Derek Kahn. It was a great time sitting down with him and a great time listening back through the episode. I have a question to pose to you this week that I want you to answer and email or DM me your answer if you accept the challenge of asking this question. Here's the question. What do you bring to your network? What value are you adding to your network? Now, what can you get out of your network? But what are you giving to your network, your sphere of influence? Answer that question. Think about that question. And if you are listening to this right now, it means you have been sitting with me and Derek for over an hour. You must have at least kind of liked it. Tell your friends. Tell your friends about own the future because remember if you own your story you will own your future